0: missionaries and former missionaries, I'd lo- also like to welcome all of you who are, are visiting uh, TCF for the first time or you haven't been here for a long, long time. Would you raise your hands if you're, if you're visiting, uh, you haven't been here previously, or, or you haven't been here for a long time? We'd like to give you a welcome packet. Let's, let's give you a cheer. How many of you have had the opportunity to read Greg Livingston's book or are, are reading it right now? Are you you just really being challenged and and greatly blessed? There's a chapter kind of in the middle of the book that describes the North American Conference on Muslim Evangelism that happened in 1978 at Glen Erie. And Greg talks about how that conference probably will be looked at as one of the most strategic conferences in the history of reaching to the Muslim nations and uh, Greg says these great words quoted by missionary statesman uh, years ago, it can be done, it must be done, it will be done. And uh, I was uh, prayerfully kind of asking the Lord, why did God in his special grace send Greg to us at this time? You know, a great question to ponder. And the uh, the only thing I can think of is it was in God's sovereign and divine plan. Greg has come here to encourage us, yes, but much more, I think, to say the task is yet not completed. There is so much to do. We've done some important things. We've sent missionaries to 37 nations. We have missionaries in some difficult-to-access nations currently but there is still a massive number that have not heard the gospel. I love uh, Greg's illustration of uh, ten people carrying a log, nine of them holding one end and uh, one person on the other end, and he's chosen to join that other person. And may God speak to us about us also joining in a greater way uh, those very few, relatively speaking, that are reaching To the ends of the earth. Greg, we love you. You've challenged us and come share now what the Lord has for us through you. God bless you. So much more to say. Uh, Greg, of course, is the founder of Frontiers. Uh, In addition to 1,300 adults working in Muslim countries, another 400 are working in 23 different nations as senders of other missionaries to the nations of the world and especially the Muslim world We love you. You're welcome. God bless you.
1: Interesting you should say that because uh, I've fallen in love this weekend. I've fallen in love with this church. You know, you're doing some things right. You're not putting millions into buildings. You're putting all your resources into people. Uh, And... uh, I honestly, and I—I I don't think I've ever said this in another church—am uh, so stirred and encouraged that uh, a church this size is backing up so many missionaries, and particularly people who are, are going to to places that uh, not very many people go to. And and uh, I just want to. Uh, uh, thank God for you and say, keep going, keep on keeping on, you got it right, you got the right direction. Uh, But uh, as someone said, uh, it's too soon to celebrate and it's too soon to quit. Actually, I was the one who said that. (laughs) (laughs) I I was trying to think of who I was quoting. Uh, Now, I think George Verwer had something to do with me uh, coming here, Gordon. Uh, uh, he was uh, my first uh, inspiration who got me involved uh, in missions. I was, going to, I was once a normal person who was going to be a, a lawyer uh, uh, for right here in the United States, and uh, he ruined uh, my uh, whole career when he said, you got Libya, uh, which at the time I thought was an island off Florida somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> On the way here, I read a recommended book by a woman named Emily Foreman. And don't tell anybody, because she doesn't mention where it is in the book, but she is the first team leader of your Andrew uh, in Mauritania, one of the least reached, most desperate places in the earth. Uh, And uh, keep praying for Andrew. I don't know, maybe he needs a wife, Uh, but... uh, I recommend, if you're looking for a book that's honest, a book that uh, really tells what the issues are and and wrestles with them, this woman, uh, first of all, uh, her husband left her before uh, she left the States. Well, you'd think that'd be the end of her serving the Lord. Uh, But uh, she found uh, a a wonderful man, uh, Stephen Foreman, uh, they were married, and uh, he was determined, and they went off to uh, Mauritania. He was shot to death, and you'd think that would be the end of her missionary career. No, she, uh, uh, with her chil- their children, uh, found another man who had a heart for the lost, and they're back there uh, as we speak. I tell you, uh, these are people to whom I, I don't feel... Uh, worthy to shine their shoes, and so uh, it's called. We died before we came. You get it? We died before we came to the field, uh, and that's uh, that's what often what it takes uh, in many Muslim countries. Uh, we have a, a brother and sister here uh, from Bangladesh that have been serving the Lord many years. Uh, uh, I'd like to, them to stand and. Uh, and be honored. Uh, we served together some, yeah. And my co-worker from 1968 to 1970, that sort of dates us in Belgium, Pat Hill. Uh, will you please stand? <laughs> so we're having a little reunion there. Uh, thank you, Gordon Wright and elders for uh, for the privilege of of being here, and I don't just say that. Uh, let's keep. Uh, there are not many churches that know their missionaries like that. I've been in churches where I'd, I'd particularly talk to the men. The men are the worst, and I'd say, "Well, tell me about your missionaries. You know that you're that you're supporting. Oh, we've got so many, so many. I think sometimes you know we put too much money into that. You know, uh, uh, and uh, well, well, what are some of their names? Oh, well, uh, there's uh, there's a uh, 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 dear, what was the name of that, that people that went to Nigeria? Smith. Oh, it was Kenya. Oh, okay, well, you know, and, and the men say, well, we can't memorize statistics like that, you know, but then ask them about baseball and football. They got, they got lots of uh, ability to memorize. So thank you for being exemplary. You know you're missionaries. I just read one of the this week's, a prayer request which mentions some of them. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're doing the right thing. I just want to say that. Yeah, okay. Keep on keeping on. Okay, now, the, but I also want to remind us that missions isn't our starting point. My starting point is called in the Bible that day. That's my focus. That's my compass. That day when I'm going to meet the Lord Jesus face to face. Do you think about that? You ought to think about that. I mean, I don't get it. You know, one of the saints dies at 89 and we say, Oh, isn't that terrible? What do you mean? They went home, you know. Christians don't die. They go home. And, uh, uh, you know, and if you want to stay around here, you know, you're like the soldier that wants to stay in the battle without, you know, going on furlough. That's pretty dumb, actually. You know, uh, so uh, uh, think about that day. What's the Lord Jesus going to say to you on that day? I know what I want him to say to me more than anything else in the world. I want to hear him say, Greg, well done. Greg, I was able to accomplish everything I wanted to do through your life because you put my priorities as your priorities Uh, there's a there's a a time when uh, people are going to meet the Lord I'm afraid good Christian people who are going to first thought when they meet the Lord is I wish I had I wish I had. And I, that could be a number of things. But uh, I, I love you too much to, to want that to be your first thought when you meet the Lord. Now, he's going to forgive you. He's going to kiss you. He's going to hug you. And uh, wipe away all tears. Why tears? Why are there tears to wipe away? Could it be that some of us are going to realize that we got the priorities wrong? And uh, we forgot that this life is very short. The next one's very long. And that's why I'm not going to retire and chase a little white ball around the the field, you know. Uh, uh, I want to keep going until I drop. Uh, John 17, 4 is the Lord's uh, prayer back to the Father. And and it's my prayer, too. Lord Jesus says... To the Father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's that's the prayer I, I, I want to do. You know, Lord, I just want to complete the work that you gave me to do. Now we all have different assignments. I'm not saying you're gonna have my assignment, but let that be the pulse of your heart. I want to complete the work that God put me on this earth to do. That's our starting point. And then we remember that Jesus didn't give suggestions, right? He gave commands, and he meant them to be taken seriously by the King of Kings. And and I would really like to leave you with with this one for for the next year until you meet again. Uh, In Matthew uh, 9, 36 to 38, uh, memorize it, where the Lord Jesus says, commands... Lift up your eyes. Now, why did he say lift up your eyes? Because he knows us. He knows most of the time we have our our, our eyes where our feet are because, you know, we've got to get the kids through school. We've got to get the the, the cooking done. We've got to get our teaching uh, job done. We've got everything else done. We've got to move the chairs in the church. Uh, But uh, keep our eyes on what's really, really important Uh, in the long run so he says lift up your eyes and see the sheep that are scattered that are bruised and scattered what's he talking about he's talking about the people across the world that haven't got a clue that God ever visited the earth and died for them you know the Muslims have got it it's such a, a satanic invented religion that doesn't mean all Muslims are bad guys we'll talk about that in a minute but they are trapped by the real enemy. The Muslims aren't the enemy. Jesus said, Satan, who has come to kill and destroy, who do you think's is behind ISIS and Boko Haram and Al-Shabaab uh, and Al-Qaeda? Uh, it's, it's, it's Satan himself who's come to kill and destroy and that's what he's, uh, that's what he's very actively uh, doing. But Jesus said, lift up your eyes, get conscious of the people who are scattered. They have no idea who Jesus Christ, that, that there even is a Savior, and Islam is just Satan's masterpiece because they would say, you know, we love Jesus more than you do. I say, you do? Yeah, we don't let him die. <laughs> I said, you know, what's the number... And they'll say, what's the number one difference between Christianity and Islam? I'll say, we've got a Savior and you don't. You know, they have no hope. Uh, you ask any Muslim, uh, you know... Are, you. Are you going to go to paradise? and say, I don't know. Nobody knows. You know, uh, know, hope for the best. Maybe I'll burn in hell for a while and then then get released. You know, different Muslims have different uh, ideas of that. A lot of them have an idea of kind of a purgatory. And the women, well, I don't know if the women want to go to paradise the way it's described in the Quran, but uh, I won't get on a a sidetrack there. Uh, But Jesus says, see them, be aware of them. And when, and, and when all this talk in America about Muslims everywhere and are they really going to hide here and are they going to kill us and everything, that's not what you need to focus on. You need to focus on that they are scattered, lambs lost, and maybe nobody came to their country and God is allowing them to come here so that you can uh, introduce them to the Savior. Let me give you an illustration about Syria because we know there's so many Syrian refugees, right? My doctorate is in the history of Protestant mission to Muslims, so I know what I'm talking about on this subject anyway. And uh, they, uh, uh, when Protestant mission started uh, from America about 1778, uh, they said, well, we got to go to the heathen. Now, the heathen meant people who believe in more than one God. So, so missionaries went to China, they went to India, uh, to the Hindus, they went to uh, the tribes, uh, even Japan, uh, where it seemed like the people were really far off in terms of the gospel. But they didn't go to the Muslims because the Muslims, well, they're some kind of Christian sect, I guess, or Jewish sect. I mean, they believe in one God. So they weren't conceived of as as heathen. So so people said, besides, uh, you know, they, they don't want us there. Uh, and so... That, Finally, finally, uh, we woke up in this country and they said, uh, well, okay, let's go to the Muslims in the Middle East. Uh, uh, And uh, missionaries arrived there and they met the Christians. Now, the Christians were Orthodox. uh, And I don't want to to be bad-mouthing anyone uh, who's called Christian, but they couldn't help it that they didn't know any difference and they were praying to saints they were pray- and, and to the Muslims, that was the worst thing you can do, that the number one sin in Islam is shirk. It means to associate anybody with God. So to pray to a person, whether it be Mary or Saint this or Saint that, was absolutely shocking to the Muslims, so they oh, we certainly would not be interested in Christianity. So the mission leader said, okay, when those Orthodox and, and Maronite Catholic Christians to a biblical faith and, and then they will win the Muslims. That was the idea. Well, what we didn't realize was if, if your family lived under Muslim control and your family's, their family's family and, the, and that next generation, generation and generation and generation for hundreds of years, feeling like you're second class <laughs> citizens and treated very, very poorly you probably wouldn't be oozing with compassion for Muslims either. And so the Orthodox who came to Christ, said, when I said to them, an example to an elder in a, in a wonderful Bible-believing church in Cairo, I said, Ram, cease. the Muslims are going to hell. He said, he looked this way, that way, he said, best place for them. You wonder, why do we need to send out missionaries from America, they're expensive, they have to learn the language, because not every Muslim particularly has anybody in his area who's just oozing with compassion and willing to risk his life to go to the Boko Haram or or whomever, Uh, and so uh, they still need people who are willing to die before they arrive. Uh, So uh, back to Syria. So the missionaries in Syria were working with just the Christians, and they ne- neglected 97% of the country that was Muslim almost until this day. And, and and so the chances, five years ago, before the war started in Syria, of a Syrian Muslim, 97% of the country, meeting a Christian who would be able and willing to tell them the gospel story, was almost... Impossible, Almost nothing. Not going to happen. And the very few Protestant churches that got started by the Christian Missionary Alliance, they only worked with the Orthodox Christians. So do you see what God's doing? God, in letting this happen, is getting those Muslims out of Syria where they're meeting Christians in Europe and in America. uh, And and, uh, we believe that God's going to bring Syrians to himself and that Syrians are going to go back and start fellowships of believers among their own people, as happened in Turkey some years ago. Four of the most leading uh, pastors in Turkey were Turks who got saved while they were in Germany. So pray for the Syrians. Pray for a breakthrough there. And some of you people are going to be called on uh, uh, very soon when the shooting stops to come with us to go to Syria and help out. Can you imagine? They're going to need everything. Everything. You can, they're going to need builders. They're going to need uh, counselors. They're going to need medical people. They're going to need uh, people who can help them through uh, not getting revenge on the other Syrians that killed their uncle or whatever. And so uh, God's day is coming uh, for, for those people, and that's just one. Uh, are we moved with compassion when we think of Syrians? Uh, and then Jesus says, what after that? be moved with compassion, and then pray. And I love the old King James. It says, beseech. That kind of gets the idea, doesn't it? Beseech the Lord of the harvest to do what? To thrust forth labors into his harvest. I guess you're going to have to grab a hold of some of your people by the neck and thrust them out. And uh, I'm going to be coming back. They haven't invited me yet, but I'm going to be coming back uh, when we have a commissioning service, uh, brethren, uh, for Nathan and Taylor Shepard, who we are believing are going to form a team for a, a Muslim people. Uh, and uh, i was very excited to, to spend the weekend with them. And uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm believing that uh, you're going to be commissioning them uh, one of these days. So uh, uh, look, look forward to that. Beseech the Lord of the harvest. That's a command, not a suggestion, not for the missionary committee. The Lord of the harvest, that he would thrust forth labors into his harvest. You know, don't quit now. Don't rest on your laurels. Uh, the uh, I just came back from Lebanon last week where we had the uh, gathering, our annual gathering of the people who were trying to do something about Libya. You say, why would you be in Lebanon Lebanon, if you're trying to do something about Libya, because Lebanon's the only country that will let Libyan believers come in uh, and meet with us, and it's a little difficult to meet in Libya right now, uh, as the civil war is still going on, uh, but we've been able, the Libya Partnership of Different Missions has been able to p- place 21 uh, brave people into that country that are there this morning. Uh, and. Uh, we have another 17 in Tunisia right next door. They're just waiting to get in. The problem is that uh, Libya doesn't give visas for children, so families with children uh, are still waiting to, for a way to, to, to get residency. But uh, we could put all the believers that we know of, Libyan believers, uh, on, on, on a little piece of the stage here. Uh, there's about 30 known brothers and sisters in Christ, in the entire country. And I don't mean of one denomination or something. I mean period. Uh, So uh, just to give you a feeling that, uh, you know, with all the good work that's been done, it's too soon to celebrate. It's too soon to quit. Amen? Uh, And I I could uh, talk about Baghdad, the great historic city of Baghdad. We cannot identify one Christian worker in that city working with either the Shia or the Sunni. Uh, there's some working with the Orthodox, uh, a few uh, Assemblies of God, well, one Assembly of God, uh, Iraqi missionary uh, that, we, that we can identify in that city. No, that's not right. So pray for Baghdad. Pray, pray that uh, people find a way to, to, uh, to start a ministry there. You say, wait, 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 wait. We're not stupid. Those are dangerous places. Yeah. But did you realize that for the first 300 years of the Christian faith, every single Christian was illegal? Do you, know, you know, one of these days when you're with the Lord, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one of my dreams to illustrate the point. I, I had this dream. I don't have many spiritual dreams, but I have occasion. And I had this dream that I was in heaven. And I'm standing on stage like this, and there's a whole bunch of us, and we're we're shoulder to shoulder, uh, and uh, the Lord's talking about me. Wow! Greg, you know, went to all these places, and he ate this airplane food, and he had to, you know, go at ridiculous hours and and, and go in an old truck, uh, driving all the way to India uh, and so forth. And and I mean, the buttons are just busting off my uh, shirt, you know. Oh. And, uh, but I, we're all lined up here shoulder to shoulder, and I I turned to the guy next to me, who's about a head shorter and obviously from another era, and I said, Well, what happened to you, brother? He said, Oh, well, I was burned to the stake. (laughs) Suddenly, my heroics didn't look like much. Uh, And we're gonna meet people like that. We're gonna meet hundreds, we're gonna meet thousands who've laid down their life for Christ and, uh, you know, kind of puts it in perspective if uh, if you had to eat yesterday's spaghetti Uh, and and, uh, uh, one of our guys was shot to death in Libya uh, uh, and uh, you know, uh, sent another four guys there earlier uh, to give out the Gospel of Luke and they were arrested and sentenced to eight years in prison. You'd all be happy to spend eight years in a dirty, filthy a rat-infested flea uh, prison, right? Uh, and uh, thankfully, in, in, in answer to prayer, they um, they only had to serve eight months instead of eight years. Because after we prayed and prayed and they still didn't get out, we contacted uh, Billy Graham, who contacted President Nixon and who talked to Gaddafi, and he said, "Okay, okay, we'll let him out." But for some strange reason, not many people have wanted to go to Libya after that. Uh, but um, we're commanded to go where it's safe and where it's not safe. Kabul, Afghanistan, just shot three doctors uh, recently—shot uh, and killed three missionary doctors. Uh, and you say, why would you go there? Why would you endanger your life uh, to go there? Well, all through history, people have had to go into dangerous places uh, to to rescue the perishing, and it, it isn't any different now. Uh, People, you know, like like this Emily Freeman. She got it right. She said, "We died before we came." And if we have the the privilege of uh, going home early, you know, if you were working, supposed to work for, uh, you know, an eight hour shift, and the and the boss let you go home after three hours, would you be angry? (laughs) You know, Uh, I walked along the the uh, the uh, cliffs of Normandy, France as I think some of you have, visiting the cemeteries from World War II. Has anybody else done that? Uh, it, it's a very moving experience. As you're walking along, just the American cemetery, I didn't get to the British and the Russian and the Polish, uh, and 29,000 young men are buried there. And you walk among the graves and you say, why did they come? I've walked, uh, visited my father's grave, my Jewish uh, father's uh, uh, was ki- killed in uh, uh, Italy the same week as the Normandy invasion, and he's buried in Florence. Uh, why, why would an intellectual, Harvard graduate, Russian Jew, uh, join the army and go uh, to the infantry uh, with Patton in Italy uh, back then? Uh, and then, and then. I've walked in the cemetery in Tunis, Tunisia, which is also an American cemetery of of, of people killed in, in World War II. And you say, well, why did they volunteer for such a dangerous mission? You know, early, just earlier before Pearl Harbor, Americans said, hey, that's Europe's war. That's not our problem. But but then after uh, Pearl Harbor, we said, hey, uh, there is an enemy out there. And, and thousands and thousands volunteered to go risk their lives so that the Europeans could be free, so that the Filipinos could be free. uh, And and why'd they do that? You know, many left widows and children without a father. My own brother-in-law shot down in Vietnam uh, as a colonel in the Air Force that went there voluntarily the fourth time uh, because he really believed that uh, we needed to slow down the uh, communism uh, taking over the world. They all did it for their country. We're not going to do it for our Lord? For the kingdom of heaven? Of course we're going to go to dangerous places. And uh, because this is a commission that's much even more important than uh, keeping America free. And I, I'm just... Uh, Burdened for the thousands of Christians, even in Tulsa and Oklahoma, who forget while we're doing wonderful things, helping the poor, uh, uh, making sure that uh, people have Bibles and so forth, but we forget that though we need to be concerned for all kinds of suffering, we certainly do, we've got to keep our eyes especially to be concerned on eternal suffering We don't talk about hell anymore. We don't talk about banishment. But, you know, Jesus said, unless you believe in me, you will perish in your sin. He wasn't kidding when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And we've got a generation that doesn't want to hear that. Uh, But uh, I don't want to put my head in the sand, and I'm sure you don't. The Apostle Paul says, uh, we do, we are well aware of Satan's schemes, and we don't want Satan to outwit us. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Well, we don't want to let Satan's schemes either, and one of them is to f- cause us to forget that people are going to live forever, either with the Lord Jesus or eternally separated from him. That's not my idea. I don't like it. If you'd asked me, Lord... If the Lord had asked me, Greg, what do you want to take out of the Bible? i said, well, let's take out all those Bibles, all those verses about people being separated from God, banished forever. But uh, he's not asking me. <laughs> the, the truth is the truth. And, and uh, if, if you need to, you, you need to come back to where you can say, God, when you see this Bible, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. When I, what I like in there, what I don't like in there is still uh, the word of God. And so I pray that uh, you will encourage people. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure people say, okay, here's another missionary offering coming. And, you know, you kind of take a breath and say, you know, if you think about that day, you know, <laughs> you, you, you won't mind, you know. People getting another missionary offering uh uh but because we're on the greatest rescue op- operation in the world, and that's worthy of of sacrifice and and it's not going to be any sacrifice because you can't outgive god you're not going to be able to outgive God <laughs> you can try, but uh you won't be able to do it uh but uh watch out for satan's schemes that that kind of gets us so. Uh, tolerant that we forget that Muslims not their own fault are going into a Christless eternity and that's one out of every four men, women and child in the earth today is being told Jesus is not God Jesus did not die on the cross wicked Jews changed the Old Testament, wicked Christians changed the New Testament so the Bible's rubbish You know, the one you have. Uh, It's not the real word of God. And so uh, Satan continues to do everything he can to keep us and Muslims from bowing the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And that ought to bother you. Now, some of you are hearing that there's great things happening. And I just want to tell you that what I'm telling a lot of people, it's true that God is doing more than we know. That's always be true, all right? But it's also true that probably less is happening than we hear. <laughs> do you understand? Because people hear stories and they spread, oh, everybody's getting dreams and visions and thousands and thousands are coming to the Lord. One guy wrote a, wrote a book, a wonderful Christian man, and said hundreds of thousands of Muslims are falling in love with Jesus, particularly in Africa. Well, if you ask any Muslim, do you love Jesus? Oh, yeah, we love Jesus. He's our second guy. You know, that's that's not meaning that we we we're, we're, they're saved okay and so there's a lot of naivete and and uh, and, and don't just believe everything that you you hear that you can get very very excited you know uh, and uh, and some people say well you know Americans have to learn the language and they and they don't really fit very well and they have to come home because their children get ill or something so let's just support the nationals and the answer to that is absolutely. We want, to, we want to help Kenyans uh, become cross-cultural missionaries to Muslim tribes, but you need to know that the vast, vast number of Muslims, 1.7 billion today, don't have citizens in their country who care whether they go to hell or not. And many who might even uh, be able are not able they haven't learned how to, to communicate to Muslims and uh, or they're not willing this is a Malay shirt. this is what the all the the important people wear this is a dress shirt from Malaysia and uh, uh, there are two thirds of Malaysia is Muslim and uh, the but the big churches are all Chinese uh, and some Indian uh, and uh, For five years, I pled with the the Chinese and and the Indian uh, Malaysians to do something about the Malay. And they said, no, no, it's too dangerous, Uh, it's illegal, Uh, they might scratch my Mercedes. Uh, And uh, uh, for various reasons, it was almost impossible to get uh, the Christians in Malaysia to go to the Malay uh, Muslims. And so there's still, there's still a job for us to go and, and set an example. Uh, don't, don't, don't be naive and think that everywhere there are nationals who are able and willing. Uh, they need models like we all do, uh, someone who's willing to, to lay down their life. Well, I'm going to give you an invitation today not to come forward, uh, not to receive Christ, or to follow Christ more closely. That's that's your uh, the Pastors and Elders Commission. But I want to g- come back to and challenge you to say I will obey Matthew 9, 36 to 38. I will pray to the Lord of the Harvest to send forth more workers into the Muslim world, uh, wherever they're going to come from, and I'll keep praying that, uh, and I'll pray that from our Tulsa Church's Uh, as well, uh, because they're not going to just hear the gospel and get converted through the media. Praise God for the media. Well, most of it. (laughs) The Christian media. Some of it's not too culturally sensitive. We'll just put it that way. Uh, But uh, let's just have an experiment here. How many of you came to Christ with no other person in your life? Nobody talked to you. You came to Christ all by yourself without any person being involved in your life. Let's see your hand. Oh, that's funny. So why do we think that all we need to do is get radio out there or get television out there? It's got to be 99999999 percent of the time got to be a friend, a workmate, someone who takes interest in you as happened to all of us. And so... Pray for laborers into the harvest so that Muslims won't be like those Syrians who never met a real believer or like the Muslims in Tulsa who maybe have never been invited into an American home. That is a terrible thing. If you want to know about the national leaders around the world who hate America, you'll often find that they were here as students. They were never invited into an American home and they're from countries that are so welcoming and hospitable, and they're just bitter, and therefore they became America's enemies. Let's let not that happen. You know, uh, if you don't know how to get a Muslim in your... Talk to everybody. There's people who will arrange it, right? Uh, but, uh, uh, and, and when you meet a Muslim or see one, you know what you should... First thing you should do, don't say, receive Jesus Christ your Savior. Say, are you okay? The Muslims in this country are really scared. They think you know they're going to be persecuted, they're going to be uh, shot, they're gonna, you know and, and, and the Americans are scared and, and, and devils laughing. you know We're, The Americans are afraid to beat the Muslims, the Muslims are afraid to beat the Americans. So if you see one even in the grocery store, say, "Are, are you okay?" You know We know there's some trouble troubling things going on. Uh, uh, is there anything we can do for you?" they will just melt, they'll just be amazed that somebody took an interest in me. Uh, and then uh, uh, when you make a friend, you know, don't start by by ramming down their throat, find out what they believe. Say, you know, we're all gonna go to the Judgment Day, aren't we? That's something Christians and Muslims agree on. So, so tell me, I don't know very much about Islam. Uh, how, how do you do well at the Judgment Day? How, how do you know that, you know, I know you want to go to paradise. We want to go to heaven. Uh, how, how does it work in Islam? They'll be happy to explain what they believe. And guess what? After they talk to you, they know they're reciprocal. They're going to give you a chance to tell them what you know about God and so forth. And it, it's not as scary as, as you might think. Well, I want to close with another dream. I've only had two spiritual dreams, and you're getting both of them. Aren't you lucky? Uh, Two Muslim men died in my dream. And they found themselves in utter darkness. They found themselves banished from God. And they were stunned. They weren't screaming and all of it, but they were just stunned because they realized they had followed the false prophet, the only thing they'd known. And finally, one of them got his voice and he said to the other one, Did you? Did you have a Christian friend? And the other one thought and he said, No, 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 I I, I didn't. Did you? He asked the first one. And the first one just kind of shook his head sadly and said, No, 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 I didn't either. Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts. You know that we love you. You know that we want to obey you. You know we want to hear well done. If we've been too small, if we thought it was just somebody else's job, make us bigger people. Make us better servants. Get us into the game, which is a life and death matter. And Lord, before we come home to heaven, Give each one of us a little assignment, maybe a Muslim friend or a way to help the church to help people get out there. Lord, whatever it is, we want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. We don't want to say, I wish I had. So lead us on. Really, Lord, lead us on in Jesus' name. Amen.